The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have improved to 9-0 after defeating the Montreal Alouettes on Thursday night. Doug Brown joined us to talk about the game and the horn guy who was driving everyone bonkers. Construction, construction, construction. There is a lot of it. And yes, we need it. Why does some of it just stop? On Thursday, Loren asked the question, why is there a video game where I play as a cat? It's called Stray, and it's a hit. We check in with Lee the Gaming Guy from PNP Games. And we had lots of fun asking you, what is your favorite disaster movie and why? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's back from vacation next week, and then I'm gone. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, August 5th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. He is currently on his way home from his Southern California adventure. And uh, Loren, I wonder if he found some way, somehow, to enjoy the football game last night. Oh, I'm I'm 100% betting he did. I bet you he listened to it if he didn't beg a bar to find a way to put it on wherever he is. And I think Wyoming yeah. was maybe his stop last night. But I have no doubt he was watching it because the, not, the noise of the win, Bombers 9-0, and amazing, was almost, almost out down by the sounds of the what now? Here we go. Live from Percival Molson Stadium in Montreal, it's the Bombers and Alouettes. Oh, I... Here, let's, here's another sample. Grant, back to his own 35-yard line. <laughs> There's something in common, not just Derek Taylor, but... Mark Leggio, the kick is up, and it is good. Let me play that one more time. Mark Leggio, the kick is up, and it is good. The horn, the horn. guy! <laughs> the horn guy was driving people nuts last night, and I know Greg had to have been listening because at one point I'm, I saw him tweet at the Montreal Alouettes account, which everyone did, because the Montreal Alouettes official account at one point said, please stop messaging us about the horn. We really? Like the horn. Yes. Because <laughs> everybody was like, make the horn stop. Does the horn only have one air can? When is that horn going to run out of air? Somebody kill the horn guy. Like, it, people were losing it. And so I saw Greg, I, I'm, I'm going to double check, but I'm, Greg, I think he was with the official account. And that, that official account at some point was like, guys, we like the horn. Stop messaging us. But oh. no, people did not like that horn. How could they like the horn? It was so distracting. Four-man rush. Kalara's pumping. He's going to throw this one deep. Like, I turned the game. I, I would have because it wasn't as invasive on the CJOB broadcast, no. but on but the on television TV. broadcast, oh. it was awful. I couldn't no, watch it. Was- it. It was brutal. And to be honest, the, the start of the game was a little bit brutal. Like, I, there was a few times where I thought, uh-oh, like, we don't have this. Just, it was a bit of an ugly start. And uh, Claros picked off on his first throw uh, in the first quarter. And I thought, I don't, this might be the game that we lose. we got to lose some point, right? And then that horn started to drive people nuts. And then I kind of was like, kind of want to stay in it for the horn. Like something's going to go down with the horn guy. And then people were getting so mad that they were tweeting at Montreal Alouettes in your own rules for the game. You're not allowed to bring in air horns. Go get the air horn guy. He's not allowed to be there. Like, it was it was it was good side entertainment, but man, what a win! And uh, well, I wonder what would be worse, that or this. Do you remember the Vuvuzela back at the oh, World Cup years back? Yeah, yeah. The Vuvuzela has a special place place in the hearts of soccer fans, but it has no place in my heart. I don't enjoy that whatever that is, or ever, whoever said, I'm going to create this instrument and then blast it in the ears of 
sports fans, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not on that. Well, we might try to sneak in the full sounds of the game a bit later on, but we do have an abridged version of the sounds in case you missed last night's game or had to go to bed before it was over. A high wobbler falls out of the sky at the 53. Grant, left side, ball 40, 35. Can he beat the punter? Janarian Grant house call. Touchdown, Bombers. Janarian Grant. Wow. It's the Bombers 28 and the Alouettes 14. My goodness. First and goal, Oliveira left side. He is going to walk into the end zone and celebrate Brady Oliveira into the end zone. His second rushing touchdown of the season and the Bombers now lead it 34 to 14. That's championship football in the fourth quarter when it really mattered. Ooh, big talk right there. Championship football halfway through the season. Is Ed Tate calling it already? It, it, this is where we're at, right? I, the part, I've said this earlier this week. Wins are great, but you, I'd rather, if we're going to lose any, I'd rather lose them now than later in the season, and especially when we get down to the most important games of the year. We're a long ways away, but man, this is a championship football, championship football team. If you're a fan, you're loving things right now. If you're not a fan, you're wanting to get on this bandwagon because 9-0, and I mean, Bob Irving was saying earlier this week, he was trying to find the stats for how far you'd have to go to back to have this many wins for a team, you know, over the 2020, 21, 22 to season it's incredible that horn whatever it's not incredible but that's not really part of the conversation anymore Ren, I don't know if you had a chance to look. I just sent you a link to something that the Bombers posted before we get into what we're about to talk to as it pertains to uh, managers looking to increase salaries to keep their staff and recruit staff. But um, the Bombers do a bang up job in their social yeah. media. Oh, you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what? <laughs> okay, they do. First of all, I totally distracted myself there. They do a bang up job on social media. We've been talking about that darn fog air horn that was playing at the Alouettes Bombers game last night, which did nothing to distract our team because we won and are now 9-0, and but the Bombers have posted a video. What is this thing? They've taken an air horn, and they've put it in some sort of smasher machine. It just looks like a giant press kind of machine. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sure there's an actual name for it, but construction and tools are not my thing. But, yeah, it's just a massive... You know, the best thing I can think of is in the first Terminator movie when Sarah Connor crushes the Terminator in that massive press and says, you are, you're terminated. And she goes on to say something else. And then it squashes the Terminator. That's what the bombers have done. They somewhere, they found a video of an air horn being squashed. Or did it. They've created it. Or they went out and just killed one last night. I mean... (laughs) Whatever, maybe they're as annoyed as everybody else, but it's good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to share that on my Instagram account as well, Brett, because that is well done. Yeah, way to go, Blue Bombers, for the social media post. And, of course, for the victory, Doug Brown is going to join us at 745 to give us his analysis of the big win. And a heads up that in our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself two tickets for the Burt Block Party August 19th, that's a Friday, two Fridays from now. Nazareth, Streetheart, and the Headpins are performing that night. I know I am not the only one who's been to a store, restaurant, and noticed that they were short staff. Perhaps you've even called your bank recently or tried to book a doctor's appointment or get in touch with someone for a sales call and just found the wait was longer than normal because the staff just isn't there. So we've talked about this, you know, repeatedly over the past few weeks and months, retaining workers, recruiting workers. It's been a real struggle. And Robert Half, they're a 
global human resource consulting firm. And so they recently surveyed about 500 different employers and managers, and they found 80% are worried about their staff quitting. So Mike Shetman is the regional director for this firm, and he says as a result, managers are trying to offer more incentives. In that same survey, 42% said they're actually increasing starting salaries. 45% said they're increasing compensation to retain the workers they already have. And then another 34%, they're offering remote work to aid in hiring. A lot of uh, organizations are looking to increase some of the starting salaries. So there's a lot of pressure uh, with um, with everything that we're hearing in the news around inflation, uh, with some of the, the critical uh, pricing that uh, is going up. So uh, it's certainly factoring into the base uh, salaries and programs that are put in place. Uh, but also one of the things that uh, some are, are putting in place is also signing bonuses. So having the ability to maybe not reflect it in, into the base, but it's a, it's a way to, to attract and, and also even retain some of the talent uh, what we're also seeing coming out of the pandemic uh, and when everybody was thrust into working remotely, uh, organizations have seen that it is a possibility uh, in terms of the future of work. So offering that remote option or flexibility is a great way to retain and also attract talent into the workforce. Schechtman said the survey found remote work is not just being offered to people who live in the city where a company might be based. He said a growing number of companies are hiring employees who may not even live in the same province. When you start looking at talent outside of your own even community, it really allows you to really find the best individual, not only in your city, but really across the country. So some of those geography barriers that were put on uh, ourselves and really uh, we've been able to shift some of the paradigm for some leaders across uh, the nation to uh, to allow to find the best possible individual but yeah. uh, it's going it's going to continue to uh, it's going to continue to drive some some difficulties uh, for uh, for many employers because we're still seeing uh, record low unemployment numbers uh, at 3.8% in Manitoba and uh, for the for the month of June, and uh, we're we're not seeing that um, creep up, which is uh, relentless. That was Mike Sheckman, regional director of Robert Half. That's a human resources consulting firm. He was on the news with Richard and Julie yesterday afternoon. And I have so many questions about this, Brett, because we've heard this repeatedly as well. Not that they're a shortage, but one of the quotes out of this survey from this firm is that employees, workers, are in the driver's seat. In many cases, maybe not in all industries, but in many industries, an employee walks in and says, pay me more, or I'm gone. That's happening. What I'd like to know is with more specifics on where that might be happening, not because I want to go up to the boss today and say, pay me more, but, but where is this happening? Who do you know that's been able to find a way to boost their salary in the last little while? Are you someone that's left your job because another company might be paying more? And then more just to get down into the weeds of this, what about in those smaller businesses, Brett? Are we talking that even, you know, the 20, 21-year-old in the summer job or in the retail or what have you can can go in and make those kinds of demands? Or is this really more in some of those corporation or sales settings where these bonuses are being offered because we even had a guy from Red River College on a few weeks ago talking about internships and you know they try to match interns with say construction companies and that there, there's even been some who've offered bonuses for interns because that's how badly they want to get you in and then hopefully keep you in the months and years ahead. I am also curious to know in, in because there are so many places that are short staff I'm wondering where are the workers if like if say it was a restaurant if they worked in a restaurant 
in the before times and then the pandemic hit, obviously that threw so many things into turmoil and maybe they went somewhere else, but where have they all gone? Uh, regardless of the industry, whether it's restaurants or retail, they, they, they still need jobs. So where are they getting their income? Like what, what field, I'm curious, maybe there are fields that are growing or are a lot of, I know a lot of people have just decided to start their own business. You know, maybe it was a side hustle and now it's just their, their own thing. But uh, all these businesses looking for workers, they're, that means people need, I'm just, I'm so confused by it. Like where have they gone? It's like they yeah. just disappeared. Like Sheckman was asked about this and, and the idea of in some of those firms, you just have a lot of people who are retiring or aging out in, in certain business settings and maybe even in certain industries that's happening. But to your point more just on restaurant and retail that in my understanding are still traditionally driven by the work people who might be in university, college, might be looking for that summer job. Did, are, is that group of people not working or just working elsewhere or choosing to do something differently. That's why I'm still confused. Is there, are there people who are just, ah, I don't need this right now. Like, I don't need this gig, period. Or are they legitimately gone and work, are now working somewhere else? Because that group, there's still a core group of people who are entering college, maybe just graduated, you know, are trying to supplement their student loans or what have you, that I would think need to work. Yeah. I think. Am I wrong? Where are you? Yeah, exactly. There's no way I could have just decided to quit my job. Like I had, I got my first job when I was 15 and that's it. Like there has never been a point where I've been unemployed for longer than a couple of months. Um, that was just sort of a transitional period when I, in my early twenties, but outside of that, yeah, I, the, the, the possibility of just saying, ah, you know what? I'm just going to quit and uh, I'll figure something out. I, I just could never, ever do that. Well, we've had some weird and wacky weather across the country, and I have to admit that whenever there's summer storms or winter storms, I find myself drawn to films where where it's the worst possible scenario for like a natural disaster. You know, a twister will come on and be like, I'm in for this. I've seen it 20 times. I'm going to sit through the commercials because I love me some Helen Hunt. So we want to know, what are your favorite disaster films? That's right. 204-780-6868. And if you have a story associated with that feel free to tell us that story like for example when i went to see this movie in 1996 we will not vanish without a fight we're going to live on we're going to survive today we celebrate our independence day independence day id4 when i went to see that at kildonan place Guy behind me kept kicking my seat, and I don't think he was doing it on purpose, but he was not going out of his way to stop kicking my seat. And I finally, and it was almost the end of the movie, but I turned around and said, dude, would you stop kicking my seat? And as a young man, Loren, I gave him the, the best resting Brett face I could, and then we just had a bit of a stare down. He looked like he wanted to kill me. But he just sat there staring at me, and then I stared back at him, and then I turned around, and that was that. I was anticipating that we might end up having a throwdown in the parking lot after, but nothing happened. But uh, that's whenever I watch Independence Day, I think of that guy kicking my seat. He thinks of you, too. Somewhere he's listening. He's coming for you. I hope <laughs> if you're listening, if you remember that, uh, feel free to let us know at 204 780 So let's go around the horn here. Jeff Braun, co-host of the Couch Potatoes. Why don't we start with you? 
Sure, uh, it's uh, it's one of the biggest disaster movies of all time. Not, not so much a natural uh, disaster because of the hubris of mankind. Play the clip, Jeffrey. What'd you do the rest of the day? Saw Titanic. <laughs> so that old woman, she's just a liar, right? And a bit of a tramp, <laughs> if you ask me. Titanic. It's a it's a great movie. I mean, the dialogue's not all there, but the last half of that movie with the boat sinking is among the best things ever put on film. It's terrific. Well, yeah. How many times have you seen it now, Jeff? Oh, I don't know. I, I can't, I've lost between ten and fifteen, ten and twenty, somewhere in there. I would say. And how many copies of it do you own? Just the one, the Blu-ray special edition from oh. the 15th anniversary or something. Okay. Do you still cheer up at any points, or did you ever? Maybe that should have Those been the first Those files are closed. <laughs> 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 yes. It's one of those movies Jeff probably can't watch with anybody else, just uh, him and... Uh, and just um, a mess. <laughs> uh, Cam Poitras, what about you? Uh, Forte, roll the clip. Disney Plus. I don't know why the heck I'd ever watched the Poseidon Adventure from 1972, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was such a great movie. Um, it's got a great cast. Gene Hackman, uh, Ernest Borgnine, a voice of Mermaid Man on, on SpongeBob to all those uh, big fans of the show like myself. Uh, Red Buttons was on there. Shelley Winters, uh, Jack Albertson, Grandpa Joe, and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Five you know, Academy Award winners. Um, Did you say Leslie Nielsen? Isn't he in that? Well, I, that's what I was, I was leading up to that. I was oh. going to say, and of Sorry. course, Leslie Nielsen <laughs> captaining the ship. How could you not love that? <laughs> Sorry. And I almost put Airplane in there. I don't know. Is that considered a, a disaster movie? Why not? It's more of a comedy. It's a comedy I, disaster. Air, Airplane is like one of the best movies of all time. Like, I mean, like that's a, a movie like I can still quote with my dad and everybody. Like, me and Clay Man, we like Clay Young here at CGOP. It's Clay's <laughs> favorite movie. Oh, oh yeah. No. We, we talk about it all the time. Constantly <laughs> quote it to each other. Like, I love Airplane. So, But, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with Beside Adventure. Great movie. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever heard Clay quote Airplane. Usually he's just walking down the hall doing impressions of various... Do likes- you want to open that? Yeah, talk about file, uh, you know... Files closed. You want to open those files? Uh, no, you don't. He, he does the Leslie Nielsen bit where he, he just he stops and he stares at you and he says, we're all counting on you. <laughs> and then he just walks away. Oh, is that what he's channeling when he does that? Yes. Okay. I always, I always, I always just thought that's Clayman being Clayman. Anybody else doing it, I would think they need to be checked in somewhere. But Clay, it's just, all right, whatever, man. Um, Loren, what about you? Okay, well, I just assume there'll be some people going for, you know, the deep impacts or the Armageddons or whatnot. And we could have a whole other conversation of those two films coming out pretty much the same year and which one was better. But I think we all know the answer. So I went another way because I love me some rock. Oh, my God. The earth will literally crack open. (laughs) You will feel it on the East Coast. <laughs> okay, and the reason why is this movie, this is the San Andreas fault with The Rock, and I don't think you could pick anything cheesier. Like, for example, when they've escaped, when he's grabbed his wife, ex-wife, from the top of a skyscraper that's crumbling from his helicopter, then they parachute out and they land on the baseball diamond, and he says... 
Oh, it's so bad. Like I love a cheesy line. You know when you're watching this and you're like, how did this how did this get into this film this part? Oh. Been a while since I got to second base. Wow. And that's that's funny too. I, that cuz he also wasn't he in a movie Jeff Braun called Skyscraper? Yeah, he didn't have a helicopter in that one. He had to jump into the skyscraper from a tall crane. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. The Rock single-handedly kept that building from falling down, didn't he? I can't remember. Something like I that. It's a terrible movie. movie. It, was, it was too stupid. I couldn't finish it. I watched like 20 minutes of it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was mild, mildly entertaining. Loren already referenced this one, but this I, mentioned, I played Independence Day, but this is my favorite. Before event movies were all based on comic books. <laughs> and Tom Cruise had to cheat death to get butts in seats. One genre dominated the 90s cineplex like no other. <laughs> Erotic thrillers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, disaster <laughs> movies. But only one of them will put you deep inside the suck zone. The suck zone. <laughs> Twister. It's the suck zone. Ah, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman had such yes. a great character. Just a small supporting role, but man, he was awesome. And one of my favorite scenes in that is Loren is when they go to um, Helen Hunt's. I think it was her aunt's place because they they just wanted to invade her kitchen, yeah. and she made the they she, had steak, steak and, and eggs. Eggs, yeah. Great scene. I lo- I th- great scene. I love that movie. I, I said to Brett earlier this week when I think of twisters and tornadoes, I often think of having to grab a belt and tie myself to some metal object like they did at the very end. I think that's a great movie. And I also, in that, that's the whole same year or decade that Armageddon came out, Deep Impact came out, Independence Day, right? There was three or four years of just pure instilling feel, fear for the worst possible scenario. <laughs> there was Volcano, Dante's Peak. Yeah. Uh, and then, then there was a bit of a resurgence. We had the day after tomorrow and uh, 2012, was it? With where uh, California yeah. falls into the ocean. Um, and the whole, the whole and then world. And it just grew. Those just kept getting sillier and sillier until we end up with stuff like Geostorm a few years ago. Oh, the yeah. earth will literally crack in half. <laughs> <laughs> We're asking you about your favorite disaster movies and why. And if you got a story to go with them, tell us a story for a chance to win tickets for the Burt Block Party. What does Henry have, Loren? The Sharknado. Or is it Sharknado? I don't know how to say it. Fancy style. The Sharknado movies are so stupid, you can't stop watching them, Henry says. The cast of 90210 fights off sharks falling from the sky, lifted from the water by a tornado. The best is when they use chainsaws to fight off the falling sharks. That's right. In Sharknado 2, I believe it was that one where Ian Ziering, uh, he takes a run at a shark that's falling out of the sky at him, and he jumps into the shark's mouth with a chainsaw in front and just plows (laughs) right through the shark. (laughs) So ridiculous. I just love, like, you know, it's one thing to come up with the twister and the earthquake and, you, you know, the things that do happen and could happen, but... Tor- tor- a tornado of sharks. <laughs> that is a huge subgenre of B movies. <laughs> These giant sharks and mega sharks and giant yeah. octopuses. And what did uh, what did they watch in um, Modern Family? Was it Croctopus? Croctopus, I think it was. Yes, yeah. and they were addicted to it. <laughs> Book it. And Len <laughs> says my disaster viewings was, was when Jeff Reinbold was coaching the Blue and Gold. I had season tickets. <laughs> Lots of stuff to watch this weekend. Uh, I'll start with a question for Loren. 
Brad Pitt fan? Yeah, for sure. Great actor. And other things. <laughs> he's a very handsome man. But he really is. Like, he makes me laugh. And like he's Comedy-wise, he's got a thing about him that's even better than when he does drama. Yeah, I think he's, he's tremendous at comedy. And he actually brings a comedic slant to this particular role. Take a ride with Brad Pitt in Bullet Train. Talk to me. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Yeah, this is based on a Japanese novel. He plays Ladybug, an assassin who just wants to do the job he was hired to do peacefully. What's the job? Okay, what am I snatching and or grabbing? A briefcase. You said you wanted simple for your first job back. It doesn't get simpler. So he gets on the world's fastest train in Japan just to retrieve a, brief, a briefcase. Simple, right? Wrong. Turns out the train is full of the world's deadliest assassins, and all of them want the case. Sandra Bullock co-stars. Lots of other good uh, supporting players here, too. Looks super fun, but it's not getting the best reviews. It's only at 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it oh, still why? looks fun. Just too, maybe too much drama? It looks like it's probably too much style over substance. Right. Because watching the trailer, it looks really slick, and it looks fun, but a lot of these movies tend to just leave you wanting more. Like, they focus so much on the style they focus so much on the cool factor that they forget to just tell a good story and uh i don't know i'll see for myself in a couple of weeks I'm going with uh, some friends uh, later this month this next one in disney plus uh it's about the first ever hunt on earth you, you must have seen have you seen predator with arnold schwarzenegger oh yeah yeah i didn't love it yeah Which- well that, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, it's an action movie about an alien monster. Maybe not your thing, but it was a favorite for many, including Jeff Braun's grandma, I think. And uh, it's, this one's a prequel for Predator called Prey. There's something out there. I've never seen anything like it. I'm not frightened by a bear. It's not a bear. So this one's set in the Comanche Nation some 300 years ago. It follows a young woman who has been raised by some of the greatest hunters on the Great Plains, and when her camp is threatened by a mysterious and violent presence, the highly evolved alien predator, she has no choice but to engage in a showdown. This movie is getting great reviews. I wasn't going to watch this. I figured, why bother? Because all of the Predator movies since the original have been bad. But this one looks like it could actually be really good. So that's on Disney+. Plus. Back to theaters. Stand-up comedy star Joe Coy stars in Easter Sunday. How dare you? How dare you? No wonder no one wants to come home for Easter to their Filipino parents. Hallelujah. You're sending gifts to the Philippines. I'm sending this new hair dryer. If it makes your hair look like that, I wouldn't send it. We should put them both in the box and ship it. So he plays a man returning home for an Easter celebration with his raucous family in what's described as a love letter to the Filipino community. It looks fun. When I watched the trailer yesterday, yeah. Loren, I was laughing my head off, but it's not getting great reviews, like 33%. Are these tomatoes. reviewers just bitter? You've uh, had years of not been able to review anything. Maybe maybe your expectations are too high. <laughs> I think you know? some some of them are bitter. Some of them take themselves a little too seriously. Movie critics often 
will like sometimes I read movie reviews and I and I feel like I'm reading a thesis. Oh like, yeah, it, it's like they they just want the world to know how smart they are. And uh, I'm not saying that about all movie critics, no, but so, especially the ones who like there are critics who, who will write a negative review just to knock a movie from 100 percent down to 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I took a film class in university and I, there were so many times we'd watch a movie and then there'd be analysis after. And I like I missed so many things. You know, this one student would be the symbolism of the cross there really shows you what the historical depiction of I'm like, what? What cross? What symbolism? <laughs> Who? The what? The what age? Yeah. Like, yeah, I took a film class too, and I started watching movies with too keen an eye, and then I realized I wasn't enjoying the movie. Right. I was too busy analyzing it. So I just try to enjoy the movie and have fun. Uh, by the way, there's also a new movie on Apple TV Plus called Luck, about this unlucky kid who ends up in the land of luck, surrounded with, and alongside a, a black cat. That looks really fun. There's a new movie on Prime Video called 13 Lives, about when uh, they had to rescue a soccer team out of a cave. And uh, so lots of stuff out this weekend. And uh, just going to want to mention this quickly. Season 9 of Alone came to a close yesterday on the History Channel. That's where they send a bunch of people into the wild and just say, okay, whoever lasts the longest wins. We talked to one contestant back in May. In the end, it was Juan Pablo Quijones, who is originally from Guadalajara, Mexico, now lives in Pinawa. Woo! So Manitoban. Yeah. And apparently he gained 60 pounds for the show by drinking a gallon of milk a day and doing shots of olive oil. So wins five hundred thousand dollars for that pri- for that contest. So way to go, Juan Pablo Quijones. By the way, Alone Frozen starts Thursday, August eleventh on History. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers certainly did not start off strong last night, but thanks to a dominating fourth quarter, the Blue and Gold emerged victorious over the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, that game was actually tied at 14 heading into that final quarter before the Bombers pulled away with the win. The final score, 35-20, which means the Bombers now sit 9-0 and on the season. Blue Bombers legend and 680 CJOB color guy for all of our games, Doug Brown, joins us now. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm good. I was saying to Brett earlier, that, like if I'm being honest, when I watched the first few minutes of that game, I thought instantly, uh-oh, this is going to be the one the Bombers lose because it didn't look good. What were you thinking in those early minutes? Yeah, any time the, the very first pass you throw in a game is intercepted, that's a, that's a bad sign. It's a bad omen for sure for Zach Kolaris. And uh, he didn't have his greatest game, but he uh, has an amazing level of uh, compete and resiliency in him. He... Uh, He'll fight through anything. He's got his mental toughness is is unbelievable. I mean, in that game, he had three interceptions and uh, a strip sack as well. So he literally turned the ball over four times. They lost the turnover battle, but when he needs to make plays, when the game is on the line, and when it's in its most critical moments, he always seems to be able to to shift gears and and show up. So he is uh, he's very very clutch. That's his. Uh, what is it, 25-2 and two regular season record with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, definitely shows. No, but, and, uh, Doug, we constantly hear this team say that they're just taking it one game at a time. But uh, undefeated at the halfway point of the season is incredible. Can they keep this going? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, – it's so funny. When you, when, you, uh, when you play Blue Bomber football, you know, you, you hear about the golden era and, and, and players – 
uh, that won multiple Grey Cups. And obviously when I was playing, we were smack dab in the middle of a championship drought. And this is really, uh, this could really turn into being, you know, uh, to raveling what is the greatest era of, of Bomber football that's occurred with this franchise. I mean, no team in Blue Bomber history has ever won three uh, championships in a row. Not saying that this team's going to, but they have an awfully good chance. And it looks like, you know, they're going to be situated very well in the playoffs. So there's always injuries and unforeseen events that can happen. But uh, this is pretty incredible what's going on. This is pretty unique what's going on with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, and this is unprecedented what's going on with this football team right now. So to be undefeated at this point in the season, only one team, I believe, in Bomber history uh, made it to 10-0 and their first 10 games. So uh, they're on the precipice of a lot of historical things. This isn't just a good season anymore. This is a history-making season and a continuation of what they've done the previous two years. I heard Milt Stiegel make this comment last night, and it sort of was echoed in some of our broadcasts as well on 680 CGOB, the idea that when you look ahead now on the schedule, the biggest appointment or opponent might be themselves, you know, finding that way within the core of that team to keep moving ahead, Doug, because they've, they've beaten everybody. They are the best going into every single game, and that can be a challenge too in its own way. Yeah, and that was largely the hard part of the schedule was, you know, all those games in 31 days and, and the lack of a bye week. Well, guess what starts happening now, right? Now the games start getting spaced out. They've got a bunch of bye weeks down the back stretch here. Um, they have a, a much easier record in, in, in terms of uh, uh, being at home more frequently than they've been on the road. They've really gotten a lot of their road games out of the way in the first half of the season. So, the only thing to caution against is sometimes football teams actually thrive in that chaos, in that uh, all those adverse elements of short weeks and road games and injuries piling up and stacking up. This team obviously responds very well to that. It'll be interesting what happens, how they respond when uh, they have plenty of time for rehabilitation and guys come back off injury and uh, plenty of time in between games. Um, hopefully uh, they have the same fire. And we have every expectation, obviously, the way they're led by Mike O'Shea and the way they've competed in the last two championships, that uh, uh, they won't be taking their, uh, their foot off the pedal, even though their, their season environment is about to change very dramatically in the second half of the year. we got to ask you about this, Doug, before we let you go. Zima, a high wobbler, falls out of the sky at the 53. You could hear it in the background. Were you as annoyed by the horn as we were? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Uh, I've gotten used to it. It's very Montreal, right? It's just kind of like the, the, the French hip-hop songs you hear when you're there. It's just something that is very unique and peculiar to that stadium and uh, that environment. So I kind of it's just like when you play football in a professional environment the first time. It, the, the crowd noise overwhelms you, but then you're able to tune it out as your broadcast or your career goes along. So I don't hear the horns as much oh, anymore. But lucky it's definitely you. A piece. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned how to turn them off in my brain. So, Well, you're better than I am because I had to turn the game off. I just couldn't stand it. I was ready to smash <laughs> everything in my apartment. I was like, oh, my goodness. But uh, good for the Bombers. Doug, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Doug Brown is the color man for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber broadcasts on 680 CJOB. Ed Tate did color last night. Doug joined the broadcast over the phone. And uh, we are going to, of course, have much more 
on the Bombers through the week. They're back at it on Thursday at IG Field for the rematch against Montreal. After Global News at 8 o'clock, we're going to talk... Bring all your horns. No, we got to come up with something else. Drums? Oh, what would be... What would be more annoying than that horn? <laughs> we don't want it to be so annoying that it, it drives us crazy, too. <laughs> That's true. It has to be like that Jim Carrey noise. Like, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> This is in my backyard. It's Roslyn Road between Osborne and Nassau. And uh, this is, one, look, there's construction everywhere in the city, okay? Uh, we get it. This particular one um, has been under construction for two months, and it was necessary work, and they've done great work. The, the road is in great, because it was always full of potholes, and they were constantly patching it, so they finally dug it up. And they uh, redid it, and I think they, I don't know what else they may have done, but they've put down the asphalt at the end of last week, and it remains a situation where you cannot turn onto Roslyn from Osborne. You can only come out heading eastbound off of Roslyn. So you, you've got one lane that's blocked. You can only come out eastbound. It's one way from Nassau to Osborne. And it's been a huge pain, but I get it. I mean, they, they can't shut it down because hundreds, if not thousands of residents in the neighborhood use that road and uh, it's busy. So they couldn't just close it uh, because, for example, I would have no way out of my apartment block if they were to just cl- close it outright. But it was supposed to be done last Friday. And um, it looked like it was basically done. They, Like I said, they put down the asphalt and no work has been done since Maybe they've been working on it during the day, doing something, but every time I go by, there's nothing. There's not a single person in sight. There was a maybe a water truck there yesterday, but that's it. And it's not even on the city's website anymore. Like uh, when you go to their list of road closures, they've got Osborne or they've got Roslyn e- Road eastbound from Osborne Street to Bryce Street. They're doing some work there, but that part of Roslyn, gone. So I finally tweeted at the city and said, hey, this was supposed to be done last Friday It's not even on your website anymore. What's going on? They responded and said they'll look into it. But uh, it's just really frustrating to see these pylons still there. It's still one way. And there's no work being done. Yeah, and I think that isn't just the only place where that's happening, right? We know that work is completed or it says it's completed or it looks like it's completed. And when those cones stick around, that's frustrating because for sure – you want to have patience and let them do the work because it needs to be done. But then when it's done, and especially on a high tra- traffic area like that, you need to have it cleared as soon as possible. And on the opposite end, I always find frustration when those cones go up, then the work doesn't happen that day or the next day or even that week. And I've often wondered what the reason is behind that. I know they like to get drivers prepared for the fact that maybe that road will be going down to two lanes or one lane. But when the cones go up and you don't see work happening on there, and I'm speaking to outside the city now, La Jamaudier South, Highway 59, in between Ile de Chaine and basically the perimeter almost, uh, you know, there's construction going on. And those cones went up really, really, really early. And I feel like I haven't seen work being done on the northbound side 
and I do on the southbound. So I'm just confused by that when that happens. On the other end, Brett. So feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868 if there's a spot where you're noticing this, where you're seeing this, and it's giving you frustration. Like, I know that the, there is work being done everywhere, and it needs to be done. We say every year, we got, we fix the roads, fix the roads. Okay, well, if the road, the road looks fixed, why is it still closed? What else needs to be done? Uh, we want to talk about crime, specifically rural crime. Well, I wanted to flag that later today, if you're someone who lives outside of Winnipeg, we've talked at length about crime inside the city, but we also spoke to the RCMP in recent weeks because they flagged some similar concerns. First of all, homicides are way up year over year. They're on pace to potentially double homicides from last year, and they're certainly higher than the five-year average. And they also talked about the idea that youth crime is concerning for them as well. And so later today at one o'clock, the RCMP are actually launching a rural crime task force. Now, this task force is going to be specifically dealing with violent crime. In their news release, the RCMP said the incidence of violent crime in some rural communities in Manitoba is escalating. And so they're developing this specialized task force to address violent crime in specific communities. And they're looking to introduce this task force to the public later today. But I wanted to ask our listeners, if you're outside of Winnipeg, what are your thoughts on whether it's violent crime or property crime? The Association of Municipalities actually just surveyed folks in rural Manitoba and, uh, found that 46% of Manitobans are very concerned about crime, particularly property crime. And when they asked people about their feelings of safety when it came to crime, you know, 80% said during the day in rural Manitoba, they feel very safe. But that drops to 40% during the night or after work. And so those feelings of safety are a concern for many Manitobans, Brett. And I wanted to hear from anyone who might be outside the city in terms of what they're seeing, what they're experiencing. And, and I have to say, even in my own community, there's been every day this week when I went to work, I never used to do this a year ago. And maybe just that heightened sense of awareness, Brett, but I am peeking in the back seat of my car in rural Manitoba because I want to double check that nobody's in there just in case, because my I'm just thinking about it a lot more. Yeah, well, and that, that, I think that's something safety experts always tell us that you should do before when sure. you get in your car. And I admit that it's something I rarely do. Although even when I go down to my car in our parkade, uh, particularly if I happen to bring the car to work in the morning, I always take a peek around the other side uh, to make sure. And when I, when I'm even just when I'm walking down to my car, I'm always like looking to my right, looking to my left, looking to my right, because there's pillars, there's cars everywhere. And, uh, should somebody be lurking, I'm the only one down there. Right. So there's no, there's nowhere to, no one to call for help. Uh, so vigilance, not necessarily a bad thing, but also at the same time, it's kind of sad that we have to have that vigilance. So continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Also, our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid. Worried about your debt? Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. Hot off the presses at cjob.com. Are you encountering construction zones where no work is being done for days at a time? Your options are yes, frequently. What are they doing? Here and there, or haven't noticed. And this was brought up by just a, my own sort of frustration and curiosity about what is happening in my neck of the woods. I live just off of Roslyn, uh, between, off, of, off of Evergreen Place, and Roslyn from Osborne to Nassau has been under construction for two months. They've done a great job. They laid the asphalt late last week, and according to the city's website, it was supposed to be done 
on July 28th. And I get it. There have been delays after de- there have been delays due to the rain. So I anticipated that it would go beyond July 28th. But it's not listed on the city's website anymore, which means as far as they're concerned, it's finished. <laughs> and the pylons are still up, making it that it's only a one way. So it's one lane open eastbound only so you can't turn onto Roslyn from Osborne you can only approach Osborne from Roslyn and no work's been done all week and I'm just wondering like why what's going on so we asked you are you noticing this where are you noticing this and we're getting lots of great feedback on our text line yeah, one of our listeners, Josh, said, you know, in a different life, he worked in concrete. Can't speak to pavement, but the concrete, obviously, the more times you let it cure, the stronger it is. Uh, he also said there might be uh, government inspections that have to come at some point just to check in to see if the road was done properly. And lastly, crews likely changed job sites dependent on promised completion time. So they're gone, but doesn't mean the work is necessarily over as far as he concerned. Now, you you wrote that you were talking about asphalt here, and it's you've witnessed that they reopened and when they were putting it down, Brett, they reopened the lanes quicker. So that's where your question comes in. That's right. So I think it was last Thursday where they paved the eastbound curb lane, so the right lane. So they didn't pave it. They, they put down the asphalt, I think, last Thursday or Wednesday. I don't know. Uh, so they moved the, the eastbound traffic into the left lane, into the, uh, the what's typically the westbound traffic lane. And then the next day they had traffic back in the right lane. So they, they laid down the asphalt, had people driving in the other lane for a day, and then they had us back in the regular lane, and then they laid down the asphalt in the other lane, and now it's just been sitting for a week. And maybe it is some inspection that they're waiting for. I don't know, because I, I, I don't know. I walked down the street, and like they, they laid down all the sod and the boulevards, all the curbs that they were were repairing. Mm-hmm. It's all done. Like it, looks, it doesn't look like they have to do anything else. Line painting? I have, they probably don't need to paint lines on that street. Yeah. That, I'm just throwing out other possibilities here. Yeah. Well, then that could be, uh, like one person said, it's construction season. Deal with it. Maybe lines need to be painted, boulevard work or curb work. Perhaps all the self-proclaimed construction know-it-alls should switch jobs into construction and become project managers. <laughs> and I think you responded to this, Lauren. We don't think we're know-it-alls. I'm yes. Just, like, we, the, we, were, we were asking the question, right? Like, why, would, why do you think this might be? And I had added on the back end, why do cones go up so early ahead of a project when the construction is still days or weeks away? And so we, we're just asking the question. Yeah, and I think okay. Eve pointed that out about Highway 59. He'll say the cones will go up for days and then no, no work gets done. Uh, south of the city. And I think that's kind of your neck of the woods, is it not? Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier, just that that's the stretch that irks me because the cones went up and then I didn't see work for quite some time. And then sometimes it's happening on one side of the highway, but not the other. And so, hey, I'm not saying I should know why that's happening or I know what they are doing or that I would even know how to fix that road. I don't. We're just asking that question. And another listener pointed out, sometimes the cone people, and I know that's not your title, cone person, (laughs) But, but the crews that might be doing the advance work might be on a different contract. Like it might not all be the same job crew, right? You might have yeah. people come in, set things up, then another crew comes in and does the work. They might even be different companies. So they pointed out that the comb crew, again, not your title, I know, it might might just not have been called in yet to, to remove them. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. They say somebody, it may, so it may be as simple as somebody forgot to tell somebody, hey, the work is done. I don't know. But I did ask the city about it, and hopefully uh, I'll get some sort of response on that. And another listener, Dave, uh, pointing to, uh, was it, he says, big hole going into downtown, 
by uh, the Red Top on St. Mary's. There's been a hole for weeks and uh, nobody working there. But there's a lane blocked and big hole in the ground and also asks the question, like, why can't we do construction work evenings, nights to get the job done faster, less impact on workers? And he pointed to, he said, can't be noise because plows work day and night in the winter. If you listened to the game or watched the game yesterday, Bombers defeating the Montreal Alouettes in Montreal, you may have noticed. Four-man rush, Kalar's pumping. He's going to throw this one deep. The, the <laughs> horn guy. Mark Leggio, the kick is up, and it is good. I couldn't. I had to turn it off. <laughs> His commitment or her commitment was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and if, if Doug says that's a that's a regular thing in Montreal... <laughs> I guess I get it. But. I've never noticed it like that before. And I, I wondered, did he have like a backpack of extra air for that? <laughs> like just came in with what's in their backpack? 97 air horns. Because <laughs> they run out like that. I can't figure out how that lasted the whole game. Yeah, I know. And the, the fact, I wonder <laughs> if I turned it off, I wonder how many viewers or listeners turned off that game. Like you'd think that something like that, if it was... I think if it was more people doing it, it would be less annoying. But because it was just this one concentrated noise that was like scattered and random, it was just so distracting. <laughs> it was awful. I had said in the last hour, it reminded me of Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber when, the, you know, he does this. Oh, you've got it. Well, actually, the Bombers Twitter account last night, they screen grabbed Jim Carrey making that noise next to the air horn. <laughs> Which was clever of them. They're, they have such a great, you have to follow the Blue Bombers on Instagram and, and Twitter. They have a great social media account. But then we said to our listeners, hey, Alouettes are coming back here next week. We're known for having the best fans in the league. We always bring the noise. Is there another kind of noise we could also bring to, to push back against that air horn? And one of our listeners suggested this. Oh. Is this a stadium of Maracas? It's almost soothing. It would yeah. have a more percussion feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, they also follow it up with this sound. <laughs> How annoying would this be? <laughs> Just a stadium full of sideshow bobs. <laughs> Is that a wood whistle? Like slide whistle? Yeah. That came from listener Lorraine. She had a bunch of suggestions, and oh my gosh, I was dying because she also threw out the kazoo, you know, and I thought, oh, we could have some fun with this next week if we really wanted. Yeah, or, you know, we're always playing the, Forte always plays us in with something on Fridays. Often it's the recorder, so maybe we, uh, everybody just needs to break out an old recorder or grab their kid's recorder or whatever and uh, just start playing the recorder every time the Alouettes touch the ball. Well, Ian texted just now ian were you at the game last night because he said the horn guy was right beside me so i need to know ian follow this up or just give us a straight up phone call because i need to hear a bit more about that annoying horn sound oh my god ian from the peg wow that's interesting how did you tolerate that noise (laughs) and uh shannon well (laughs) shannon uh says the air horns at the game are bringing back uh (laughs) 
She says they're bringing back bad memories of the honking from the convoy for Brett. <laughs> I actually, when you played that sound earlier, I thought that was some of your like file audio from the from the convoy that you had just kept this angry file on your phone. No, no, that's not it. The thought hadn't crossed my mind. But uh, now that you mention it, LOL. I think the song that we're listening to right now is a song that our next guest has once upon a time requested, suggested for, I can't remember the topic, Eddie Murphy Party All the Time. Was that yours, Gabrielle Marchand? It was. My girl likes to party all the time. I had an ex-boyfriend who I said this reminded uh, him of me. <laughs> Which, I don't know. It kind of felt like an insult. But hey, I don't no! party all the time anymore. I've relaxed my partying. Partying doesn't have to be like 3 a.m. party. It just means you're good for like to have some fun. Thank you, Loren. I it, will you take just, that. You're born to party. You like to have a good time. That does not mean you have to like, you know, go flipping. I was going to say cattle, like on a farm, dipping cattle at 4 a.m. Yeah, Gabrielle Marchand is like a fun grenade. Yeah. Just pull the pin and like fun is had by everybody who's in the immediate uh, or in not, even not so immediate vicinity. You guys are so nice. You you need to stop doing this. I can't afford to pay y'all to give me all these compliments anymore. <laughs> I work on a broadcasting salary. It's getting too expensive. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's a, here's one text. North perimeter eastbound at Pipeline. Trailer came off the semi, traffic backed up and slow. The truck is in the right-hand lane, so you'll be eventually in the left-hand lane. Perhaps uh, a good opportunity to zipper merge. Thank you, Rob, for the reminder. So again, north perimeter eastbound at Pipeline Road. Trailer came off semi. That was earlier in the 8 o'clock hour. Not sure if that's still an issue. Um, And also, actually, now that I think of it, uh, I uh, ten years ago, the, my then girlfriend, the ringtone that I used for her was uh, that song "Dangerous" by Cardinal Official and Akon. Do you remember that song? That girl is so dangerous. Oh, I love that song. Dangerous. I need to put it on Dangerous. She's a bad girl, and she didn't really like that. But I don't know. I thought it was a, a fair tribute. I thought it was cheeky. So remember when we we're going to start a band? I, there's never been a better time for us to start a band. Right now, Loren's going to be a lead singer. I'm going to be tambourine. I don't know what you're doing. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the maracas or the slide whistle. We'll do the slide whistle. Oh, there's a the song. Turn it up, Forte. Yeah, there we go. Noticing me. <laughs> Every time I got a phone call or a text message, this was what would play. And it made me laugh. Makes me smile. All right. So we like to review the topics. And I can't remember which one you wanted to start with. But uh, why don't we start with uh, the stuff that you need to buy but don't. Running shoes. My running shoes are so worn because I love taking really long walks. Actually, the other day I walked to get a pizza. I walked nine kilometers collectively to go get this pizza and back, and then I sort of ate it while walking. But my running <laughs> shoes are just in terrible shape because there is so much walking that happens. There's holes in my running shoes, but I refuse to buy new ones. If somebody knows of a good deal on runners, let me know. You wa- Where did you walk to get pizza? Because the Pizza Hut Pizza Hut. There's a Canadian pizza for twelve ninety nine on. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. Was the deal of the day. I love Pizza Hut. It's so greasy and doughy. <laughs> and Loren, I have no regrets. I walked no. to the Pizza Hut near HSC, and then I got hungry halfway home. So I was like, I'm just gonna try to walk and eat this pizza. It happened. <laughs> it was great. You walked to get it. So I see exercise and just clean living. 
Yeah. That's all I hear in this story. <laughs> Hashtag clean living. <laughs> That's right. Good for you, Gabby. And I'm in the same boat uh, with my running shoes. They're just beat up. And even my, like, I, I bought um, several pairs of socks from, uh, I'm not going to name the retailer because I don't want them to think I'm complaining or anything, but I bought se- six pairs of socks last fall from, a, like, a local outlet and none in, like, November. And none of those socks survived into the spring. And I mentioned this to them. They're like, really? And uh, so they, they weren't entirely, I was like, are they not dryer safe? Uh, but I, I'm guessing it just because of the, all the walking I do in the winter, they just, I just beat them down. Like I, like I beat my runners down, like you've beat your runners down. So. There are so socks that have lifetime warranty. I'm trying to remember the name. What? Really? Yeah. Someone was telling me about this the other day and I thought that cannot be true. Like no socks. How do you guarantee yes, that? I'm on the website for darntough.com. Okay. And it says, unconditionally guaranteed for life. Oh, my wow. gosh. They are probably have to pay like a $1,000 warranty or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you know, the sock is $30, but then if you pay the $1,000 warranty, <laughs> no problem. We'll just replace your socks whenever they go down. Um, what about... Um, Midsummer guilt. Like I was, we were talking about midsummer guilt. I always, every summer, I always feel guilty for either gaining weight or failing to lose the weight that I promised myself I would lose and for spending too much money. And others also feel guilty for just like they feel like they haven't enjoyed summer so far, they haven't done enough. Uh, do you feel like that ever? Yeah, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. Loren, my parents are really lovely and I chat with them pretty regularly, but they're always trying to encourage me to do things in my life. They're like, oh, are you going to get back into horseback riding? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that activity? And it's always like, no, I haven't signed up for that class yet. No, I haven't. Because I feel like I just accomplished nothing. I mean, I like I said, I'm busy walking, sitting on my couch, eating pizza. So <laughs> I am doing things. I'm just not really accomplishing much. Lauren, do you have this guilt? It's you- funny that you say this because just the other day I was thinking, I focus a lot on my family and seeing friends and seeing family and hanging out and going to work. And drinking. But I, but I don't accomplish, like I don't, I'm not, I've not like learned to paint or do ceramics or, you know, I started a garden four years ago. It's as worse as it was now as it was four <laughs> years ago. Like, you know, I don't finish the project. I'm not, I'm just... I do my things and my list has not expanded greatly. But maybe years. that's okay, right? If that's what matters to you, family and friends and, and loving the people you love sounds pretty great to me. I'm, I'm actually so okay with all of this. There you go. The optimistic appraisal from Gabrielle Marchand and favorite disaster movie. Yes, we talked about this this morning. I love Armageddon. I love it. I don't care. I looked up how poorly rated it was on Rotten Tomatoes today and I do not care. I'm going to rewatch it this weekend. Any, any folks at home, if you love it, you know, Aerosmith, it's the song, it's the romance, it's the Ben Affleck. Yeah, well, here's the thing about Armageddon. Uh, It is a really bad movie. Um, Michael Bay is not the world's finest director, but it's a super fun movie, so I don't care that it's not a good movie. Uh, it's got, he blows stuff up real good. They go land on an asteroid. There's a giant machine gun, turret machine gun on the asteroid. Why is there a giant machine gun on an asteroid? I don't know. Who knows? It's fun, though. Unclear. Loren, can you learn Don't Want to Miss a Thing for our band? If we're going to have a band, I want to sing I already got it. You got it? Okay. And the thing about Armageddon <laughs> is there were so many cheesy lines in that, too. Like, just, Houston, this is a kick-ass ride. <laughs> like, as if, like, as if you were on your way to, like, basically die, that's what you would yell out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably can't say that word on the radio, but you I just did. did. It doesn't matter. And then they're like, we're in friggin' outer space. Like, I, 
<laughs> all these things. Yeah. Uh, I'm in into outer space. I'm going to say that. I'm in friggin' outer space. Captain he's, America. He's got space dementia. <laughs> Captain America missed our landing spot by six miles. How do you know that? Because I'm a genius. Okay. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand, thank you for joining us. Tambourine player, future tambourine player. You guys have a great day. Our weekly chat with Gab, with Gabby, Gabrielle Marchand, the host of Global News Morning. Weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. We're asking you about your favorite disaster movies for a chance to win tickets to the Burt Block Party. Daryl says, Snakes on a Plane. Matt Abra, our very own Matt Abra, texted to say that Greenland is a nice hidden disaster gem. That came out on Prime, I think, last year or the year before, starring Gerard Butler. And I would agree, that was about an asteroid that was about to hit the planet. And it wasn't like a fun disaster movie. It was more like, what what would potentially happen? How would the world behave itself? with the arrival of impending doom and it's pretty good, but also quite tragic. But, uh, um, we're runner up. We had a, a tough time picking here because we had on one hand, uh, somebody who just loved this movie so much and the, but the other one also just kind of made us smile. So we're going with the one who made us smile for the win. The run will start us off with the, uh, the runner-up, and uh, just a heads up for our winner, there there were back-to-back texts, and I meant to combine them, but I was busy chatting with Gabby, so just a heads up uh, before you go into that cold. Uh, so, Richard Joyal, as our runner-up, says, Starship Troopers. Come on, you idiot! Do you want to live forever? This movie, Richard says, has everything you could need for a Saturday afternoon or a Friday night. It has family drama and the struggles of a young man coming of age. It has a war story while the Earth defends itself from insect invaders, even though in actuality, the humans are the invaders. And this is a great allegory allegory for society. It's got a tragic love story. In fact, it has two. Not to mention that it is full of explosions, killer monsters, and And if you catch it in the evening on the Sci-Fi Channel, it even has a couple of adult scenes for mom and dad. Oh, boy. It's an all-around great movie that is so cheesy. It becomes a must-watch whenever I see it. And then he goes on to say, and uh, by the way, Independence Day and Armageddon and Ice Age. Right. The cartoon. Yeah. I was. He says, I was working in a furniture store around that time, and they would always show off the HD TVs by playing Armageddon and Ice Age. I could recite both of those movies front to back. I watched them both well over 500 times. For Ice Age, that's a great suggestion, and those movies are super fun. Oh, and they're, yeah, the characters in those are funny, and I, those are the cartoons you can watch as a parent and not want to scratch your eyes out because you've seen it a thousand times because they're quirky and fun. They're cute. Yes, but Mark is our winner. Okay, so Mark says, one of the favorites I can remember was when I was a kid going to the theater to see the movie Earthquake. I'm not sure what the cast, who who the cast was. I don't know if it was Charlton Heston or not, but it was quite the deal in Dolby Sound. It made the seat shake. They just turned up the volume, of course, which was awesome. And then he added, I forgot that I, I went there with my dad. At the Burton Cummings Theater, which used to be the Odeon back in the day. 
I had a great day with my dad, and he wants us all to have a great day as well. So, Mark, thank you for that. And, yeah, just thinking of going to the movie with my dad when I yeah. was a kid made me smile. So, And, uh, yeah, that sense around thing, that they that, it's what they called it, sense around, where they added extra speakers, like extra bass speakers yes. to make the theater rumble. Uh, I wish I could have experienced that. So, Mark, that's cool. You're our and winner. When that ad came out, like when they would say, you're watching this in the Dolby surrounds that you're like oh dolby oh yeah this is gonna be good like you had no idea what you were talking about <laughs> no, or what difference it made but there was something about that tape that <laughs> marketing campaign was well oh geez i just connected these dots I, I, man i'm just discombobulated today a story about the burton cummings theater you're going to the burt block oh! party mark yes there you go <laughs> i didn't I, hey that did not radar for me either <laughs> oh geez it's friday In case you missed this yesterday, Loren was listening to her overnight show, The Shift, with Shane Hewitt on the way into work. And she gets in and says, they're talking about a video game where you're a cat. And not like a super cat, just a regular cat. That's dumb. That game is called Stray. From the cat's unique point of view, players must navigate their way through the dangers of this unfriendly place and use the cat's skills to solve puzzles and uncover mysteries along the way. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, what bugged me mostly is that as you're driving at 4 a.m. and you're already exhausted and the tech guy was so excited for this game. You just, it's just the cat's so lifelike. It's like it got in the cat's mind. And I kept waiting for them to say the cat could fly or shoot missiles from its paws or something like that that would make it more interesting and no it's just it's a cat going through life and i i'm not there for it (laughs) so the game came out recently on various platforms and from what we understand it's quite popular i think it looks really cool so let's say hello to lee the gaming guy lee squark products and promotions manager at pnp games here in winnipeg lee good morning to you sir Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a while. So what is Stray? Sure. Uh, So uh, let me guess, dog person. Uh, Cats are very endearing. Uh, The Internet loves them. And, you know, some guerrilla marketing for your new video game is always uh, always welcome. So this game, Stray, uh, dropped on July 19th from Blue 12 Studio, uh, published by Annapurna Games. Uh, They are are France-based. They are French. Uh, uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PC is where this thing is currently available. There will be a physical disc version coming out in September. And, yeah, as the setup of the game is it is a post-apocalypse, as far as you know. You are one cat hanging out with a group of cat buddies. Uh, unfortunately, you do get separated, and uh, curiosity takes the best of you. You go wandering into this abandoned walled city uh, where you find that uh, things are not so abandoned as uh, a bunch of robots and AIs uh, still inhabit this this long, uh, long dead city, and uh, it's very apparent that us, the humans, uh, are no longer kicking around in this place. And uh, you start as a cat, straight up. The, one of the first things they tell you: push the circle button to meow. Uh, you go around and interact with this this crazy world as this cat. You're not a talking cat. You're not a cat with guns, as previously mentioned. Uh, you push the cat. <laughs> Did you say push the circle button to go meow? Yes, that's correct. It's like it's just to make the noise for the fun of it while you're in the game. That's it. Yeah, it's so it's for the fun of it at first. Uh, you do come across a uh, drone known as B12, and uh, this drone is sort of the protagonist. It's how you are kind of contextualizing the world. 
uh, while you were controlling the cat and jumping up on things and knocking things over and doing all that great cat stuff, uh, the robot is what's contextualizing it. It's, it's talking to the other uh, denizens. You get little quests, little fetch quests you can do, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, so the game actually kind of starts as like a bit of an adventure, kind of understanding how the cat moves about the world. And then the latter half of it is just exploring. Uh, the, the interesting part about being a cat is you're kind of rewarded for looking at the world in the way a cat does. So when you're find, trying to find all these hidden objects and things in the game, uh, you'll see two robots playing a game of chess, for example. Well, you know, a, uh, a polite human being might not jump up on that table and knock everything off of it, but a cat might, uh, and you just so happen to find a secret there or something like that. It's not a very long game. Uh, it clocks in at probably around uh, four or five hours, and it, uh, it joins the long list of cat games. <laughs> is, it, is there a long list of cat games? I can I can uh, mention a few others. There's Gato Roboto, uh, which is a side-scrolling game, kind of like a Metroid game, where uh, you are a cat that is aboard a spaceship that crashes on an alien world. Your owner is nowhere to be found, so you are forced to pilot a mech and blast aliens as a cat. <laughs> that sounds fun. That but I think sounds more what you're looking for initially. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you credit. There are a ton of cat websites and TikTok accounts and means I get the sure. attraction of the cat. I just wasn't so certain about this cat just basically being the cat in the game. And so you mentioned that there's other cat games out there. Is it as popular as, as we seem to think it might be based on what we are hearing from folks? Yeah, so it's, you know, there's a lot of video games now, especially with the independent scene. Uh, trying to find something that hasn't already been cornered is difficult. You can make a cyberpunk game, you can make a post-apocalyptic game, but what hasn't been done is one where you're exploring it as a, a, essentially like a domesticated cat. Um, if you want more of the pure uh, cat experience, there's also a game called Cat Lateral Damage. Uh, and now this is a game where you choose your cat, you uh, jump up on shelves, and you go for a high score to see how much stuff you can knock over and destruction you can cause in your owner's home. So, like, I watched just two minutes of gameplay for this video game, Stray, and sure. uh, it, you know, it looked like it was a kind of a strategy puzzle game where you got to use your feline skills, like you just pointed out, to, to explore as a cat uh, to try to get out of this city. But, like, I, I noticed there's one scene where the cat picks up a bucket to toss it into this big fan so it can stop it and get through. Then another point, it kind of knocks a can off a ledge like cats are typical. They, they like to knock things mm -hmm. over. But then the can drops down to a glass ceiling and breaks it, presumably so the cat can maybe jump through it. I don't know, but it just seemed to me like this is, this is some pretty complex problem solving, which seems like a good learning tool for maybe for kids, no? Absolutely. So it's, it's, got, a, it's a, got a bit of darkness to it. Like the, the actual vibe, the ambience of the world is, is kind of, I'll say there's a sadness there, but in terms of something just to, to show, uh, like to just interact with as a cat, like, they, they motion captured a cat. They captured a cat's noises. There's, an act, there's a cat credited with being the voice actor for this cat in the game. And the thing that was, uh, the thing that was like, kind of making it go viral on the Internet was just those noises and how lifelike the cats were on screen. Pets were drawn uh, to, to the TV. They, they all sat around. It was appointment viewing uh, for all of our furry friends to, to watch. You, you know, they're seeing themselves represented on screen. You know, it's about time. <laughs> So what was your first video game console, Lee? What was that, sorry? What was your, the first video game console you played? Oh, boy. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm 33. My first video game console was the Sega Genesis. 
And it was uh, kind of right as the Super Nintendo was just kind of coming out, Sega beat it to market. Uh, so at the time, when you're looking at NES versus Sega, well, Sega seems like the, the Cadillac of video game consoles, and uh, no regrets since, absolutely. Does it surprise you with how much games have advanced since then? Like, just in my lifetime. That's the, that's the craziest thing to work in this industry, is video games are just slightly older than me, uh, and it's insane how far we've come as, as a medium. Like, just the... The, the animations, the, what, what can pass now? Like, you can do something as simple that looks like a throwback to something from the 90s, mm. or you can do something cutting edge with motion capture, like the highest budget uh, Hollywood movies now. It all, it all blends. It all goes. Uh, it's all there for you, and the, the possibilities are really endless. The, uh, it's, it's very, very fascinating, even as someone on the inside or the outside, uh, just to watch, see how far we've come with VR. And mm. uh, I don't know if you've had the uh, pleasure of trying it yourself, but that's really the next the next frontier, uh, not, not maybe the Facebook meta VR part of it, uh, but just what is accomplished in interactions in virtual worlds that can't really be done on a television screen is just incredible. We got a VR actually for Christmas from a family member. And uh, first of all, it's hilarious watching people on those things because they're moving around with their arms and it just looks like this robot in your living room. But the thing about it, when you immerse yourself in it and the, the opportunities they're providing for everything from dance to exercise it's it's to me it's the tool that really now is for all ages because of what it can do absolutely yeah i mean and vr has been around for a long time like since the early 90s mm-hmm. uh they they had something kind of a working model of what we have now it's just the the commercial aspect of it like how big a a computer or a console would have to be to run one of these things well now you can just plug it into your playstation or to your pc uh they even make ones that are standalone now you don't require a console or a pc to even use it it's good to go out of the box kind of thing and I think that's what's going to uh, just the affordability of it, uh, it, it being consumer forward and there being such a huge log of games now. There's everything you could want from action games to uh, there's literally a game called Job Simulator. Uh, I, was, I, I wrote down a, just a random note here. I'm like, you know, a cat simulator is not that crazy when you consider something out there like Power Wash Simulator uh, that's also very popular, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, so video games imitate life. Life imitates art. It's all cyclical, and I'm here for it. Lee, how do we find PNP games? Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, if you're in Winnipeg, uh, we have three retail locations, 915 McLeod, 2609 Portage Avenue, 160 Meadowood, but we are always open at pnpgamesonline.com. Lee Squarek, Products and Promotions Manager at PNP Games. Lee, always a pleasure. Your enthusiasm and passion is a great way to go into the weekend. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.